Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media, the special Dakar Rally edition with Toyota Gazoo Racing. We've just got past stage four between Neom and Al Ula, and I tell you what, uh, I've stayed in a lot of places uh, in my time uh, through my travels. Very lucky to do so, but this time around, I have been absolutely blown away by the accommodation I find myself in, in Al Ula, tucked away inside canyons caves the works it is absolutely magnificent tell you what else is magnificent my guests uh, we've got <laughs> voldu van der Waal, mario de souza and making a return jeez the folks were upset that he wasn't around last night uh, ben constantaduros welcome back uh, yeah a little under the weather yesterday but glad to see you've recovered somewhat or is it getting worse well i think it's getting worse to be oh. honest i've now got a different voice to the to voice i had two days ago so <laughs> apologies if you're listening it's just about there. <laughs> no worries. It's only about a, a two-hour podcast tonight, so, so you're in good company. Um, Voldigi, how's this place? It's just truly spectacular. They're so, you know, you lack words, really, to explain to people what we are looking at every day as we drive along. You look out the windows and you go, wow, look at that. And then it's around the next corner, wow, even better. And it just carries on. It just, it's astounding, the landscape. Yeah, it really is astounding. And yeah, I, I know it, we keep on singing the praises of Saudi Arabia. I think it's more a tourism show at the moment than Dakar because we can't stop talking about it. But, Mario, with good reason. No, absolutely. Um, never mind the uh, the views and, and, and the different... I mean, I was standing outside just now and this mountain of a rock next next to us, next to the, to the restaurant where we're talking from, it is absolutely massive and it's beautiful. But over and above that, the people have been extremely friendly. The food has been fantastic. Uh, you know, I think we all expected something completely different to what we have experienced so far in, in, in Saudi. It's, it's been phenomenal. I'll tell you what, I think the drivers are also um, a bit uh, surprised <laughs> because they, they all thought that Saudi is a land of sand, and as did we. Turns yeah. out that it's quite a, quite a rocky place, actually. Yeah, it's been proved to be uh, very ups and, ups and downs, various ups and downs on a daily basis, and, and our, our rocky friends have been uh, costing our guys a lot of time every day. Well, who's got su- most surprised by all these rocks is uh, BF Kudrich, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've been seeing the BF guys walking around at the end of stage. They've got their notebooks out, and all they can do is shake their heads and frantically make notes, but it doesn't help because um, yeah. the next day they do the same thing. They just need to make new tyres. Well, I mean, today uh, there were plenty more victims at the hands of yeah. the rocks, and it was a long journey today, and not only for the drivers, but for us, the media crew following, anyone following, really, uh, because we got to stay for two nights in Neom. It was a nice break, being yeah. able to uh, not have to pack your luggage up the next day, but to do so, we, we went over here, and, and it was certainly worth the trip. But uh, stage four, Neom to Al Ula, and uh, yeah, a fairly good one for Toyota Gazoo Racing, particularly Nasa Latia, Ben. Yeah, Nasser was very happy with uh, his performance today. He didn't pick up any punctures. Um, he didn't make any big errors. Uh, we had a full explanation as to what happened yesterday um, where he picked up a three-minute penalty. I don't think you got onto that on the podcast last night because it was recorded just before the penalty came out. It no, it actually, yeah. while, while we're doing it, uh, it came through. So we were, And uh, we didn't know why. 
but uh, we're looking through the rankings and then the three minute penalty came yeah. and, and only in hindsight we've realized what it was for and and yeah who would like to elaborate uh, i'm sure you know yeah so much they've changed the system inside the car between nasa and mathieu in terms of the sentinel and and who receives that signal um, because of course they've got their helmets on it has to be fed into their their head systems it can't just be a sentinel that's played into the cockpit because they wouldn't hear um, and Matthew is now taking that signal rather than NASA and he thought it was a, a signal for uh, another system on the car rather than the Sentinel itself when he did look at the Sentinel uh, dashboard it said uh, a number he thought that was the distance that the car was rather than the car number so it was all a bit confusing in the car and by the time the Sentinel had gone off three times, that's the maximum allowed before you pull over. Once he worked out what was going on, they pulled over, but by that point it was too late. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't seem that bummed about it uh, today, well, well, given the fact that he certainly did perform. And, and this was the reason why I caught up with him immediately after coming through uh, the finishing stage uh, of uh, Stage 4. Uh, and this is what he had to say, particularly when it comes to that three-minute penalty issue. Yeah, it was a good day for us, and I'm quite happy, you know. Uh, we did really uh, a great uh, job in this Stage uh, 4, and uh, without any mistake, yes, I'm really quite happy. And uh, what did you make of the terrain? Uh, of course, the first three days, extremely tough. This time around, uh, no punctures. Yeah, today we take care, you know. We're really careful in the stone, but uh, sometimes, you know, we lose a lot of time, you know, and just uh, to, to save the tyres. But, OK, the last part, uh, the 160, I was really uh, pushing, you know, and uh, just to, to, to against uh, times, you know, what we lose in, in morning. But, OK, uh, I'm quite happy. Unfortunately, hit with that three-minute penalty yesterday, but still means second overall, and you needed a good drive today, and that's exactly what you and Mathieu delivered. Ah, it's okay. We respect the rule, you know, because uh, when uh, when uh, the change, uh, it's a new change in the GPS, you know, uh, doesn't show the number of the car, you know, and uh, it was show the distance, and Mathieu was confused, and uh, he said it's, it's, it's only bike, you know. Yes, it's, uh, just we need to to respect and uh, sorry for Carlos you know he take the, he's a three minute but today I take five minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Nasser likes um, likes nothing more than that eh? just a little dig in at the end you know he is a serious competitor and he often when, he, when we were when we were chasing Peugeot's down he used to say he was going lion hunting I'm not sure what he's doing at the moment but he's certainly um, popped up with a very good time today yeah, an incredible performance from NASA. He, he did close the gap significantly on NASA. He said he, he took five minutes off uh, his uh, time against Carlos Sainz. And at the moment, uh, he is three minutes and three seconds adrift of the Spaniard, the king of Spain, which is minimal. Let's give Carlos a little bit of credit, though, because Carlos was first car into the stage and he finished the stage first car on the road. So he led all the way through, made tracks for the rest, didn't lose a time and if we cast our minds back one day before Janil was unable to do that he really struggled to, to make tracks every stage is different every challenge is different of course today they did have their road book at four o'clock the day before so they were able to make yeah. a, a decent route and plot some decent points they had a bit of help from the map men but uh, certainly a really good effort from Lucas Cruz uh, and Carlos Sainz to be able to do that, minimise the damage, but as NASA got five minutes out of him and it brings that gap down to three and that's, uh, the, that's the gap between first and second per day when they get released into the stage. So it's basically on as even. And remembering tomorrow, 
the first uh, Junes. So I got a feeling that, uh, and, and I think NASA mentioned it earlier, chatting to you, uh, I think off, off the mic, chatting to you, that um, he had a nice grin on his face when he said the Junes are tomorrow. I think tomorrow is going gonna, is gonna to launch a little bit of an attack. Yeah, the, uh, the minis are, are definitely stronger over these rocks. They've got much larger tyres. Therefore, those tyres look like they're surviving better on these rocky terrains. They haven't struggled with the punctures like um, the four-wheel drive cars have. And they do not have the performance over dunes. They do have the performance in a straight line. So a big, long straight line, they are faster than the four-wheel drives as per regulation in the dunes. Four-wheel drives are faster. But that's, that's, you're talking about the buggies, the, the buggy mini, yes, the two-wheel yeah, yeah. drive, because I think the four-wheel drives have suffered as much as what we have as far exactly, as punches yeah. are concerned. The other man who, who certainly performed today, and it was no surprises, uh, we keep on mentioning him uh, throughout this show, throughout this year so far. Um, we've spoken about the issues that he's had to deal with in terms of his navigator having to take notes in English as opposed to mm. French, which has been the case for years and years and then some. Uh, Mr. Dakar himself, Stefan Pederhansel, I mean, this man just delivers time and time again, Baldi. You have to wonder whether his navigator really ever had a role to play in this because <laughs> it seems that no matter who's in the, in the, you can almost call it a passenger seat in that car next to him, he just keeps on powering through and, and delivering the goods. You know, so um, yes, the, the DO has been split up. They've been together for so long and now, you know, he's, he's off on his own. But maybe that's been his secret to his success all along, that biking mentality that he's always had because remember, he's won this race plenty of times on a motorbike as well. Maybe that's what's carrying him through, and, and he's shown today that he, um, he still has what it takes to um, win stages. Yeah, finishing uh, just over two minutes ahead of Nassar Latia, uh, the Qatari coming in in second place uh, for the stage. Uh, ben, do you want to talk us through some of those results uh, that we saw today uh, as we headed over into uh, Al Ulta? No, Hell. Al Ula. Al Ula. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Hell's tomorrow. <laughs> Peter Hansel started a bit further back um, because of problems yesterday uh, and that is why um, he was able to find some time, follow some tracks and take stage victory ahead of Nasser Alatir by 2.26. Carlos Sainz was 7.18 down in third position. Yazid Al-Raji had a great day fighting with Fernando Alonso side by side. We've got some great footage of that. Uh, he finished the day in fourth, 11.30 down. Um, Matthew Serradori in fifth running well in his uh, in his century and then it was Janil de Villiers sixth Tembrinka seventh Progonsky and Weehan the Chinese driver inside the top 10 Oli Terranova started second but lost 22 minutes it was a bad day for him when it was looking so good yeah, at one stage he was leading, if I wasn't mistaken, or, or from the information that we got, and that was still early days uh, as far as the stage was concerned, and yeah, it didn't work out for him at the end. Bernard Tenbrunke in seventh position, uh, finishing behind Janil, but a very, very tough day for, for the Dutchman, and he looked very ill. We actually saw him when he came through at the end. He, he couldn't even speak to us, that's how bad he was, and uh, Tom Colsoul had to do the speaking, uh, the man from Belgium. Uh, he said uh, one word in Flemish, if you'd like to translate for in terms of how tough today was. He summed it up nicely. He described the stage as balls. Um, and that's all that we got out of him in Flemish. He elaborated a little bit in English, but in essence, Bernard was, was sick as a dog. Uh, they had some troubles with the, with the gearbox. Um, they had to nurse the car home pretty much on the wheel rim on the right rear. So they had a torrid stage today. 
Uh, Janil finishing just ahead of him. Uh, Janil wasn't happy with his performance. Remember, he remains the only Toyota Gazoo racing driver to have captured a stage so far at the Dakar. He did so uh, in stage two. Um, but as you heard from Ben, he had to open the road yesterday. It didn't quite work out for him uh, then. And today, uh, equally disappointed uh, with his performance. And yeah, he didn't hide his feelings uh, immediately after uh, he came through at the finish. How was that? Uh... Not really as we wanted. Um, had three punctures, so you know, at 120 k's again with uh, no wheels, so makes it very difficult. Uh, you know, you have to come off the gas because so many rocks here, um, and you know, in one place we got lost a little bit. So uh, not a perfect day, but uh, anyway, at least we uh, was a very very difficult stage. It's amazing because uh, Fernando Alonso suffered the same amount, so also three punctures. He was just uh, living on fumes at the end in terms of the tyres. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, we got two punctures within 100 meters of each other. I changed the one and just uh, got in the car and got going, and the next minute the other one was flat. So, uh, yeah, unlucky, but anyway, it is what it is. And uh, what do you make of the terrain? Uh, stage four expected to be the toughest of the lot so far, was it that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they haven't got, I haven't seen camel grass yet, but uh, certainly camel rocks. There's plenty of rocks. We went through rock fields like you can't believe, so uh, it was quite tricky. Yeah, it's certainly tricky. Camel, camel, camel rocks. rocks. I've never heard of those before. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've been in the car with Janil when we went over some camel grass uh, during testing at Gurupan in the Northern Cape. And camel grass is an, a very unpleasant thing to have to drive over. Really didn't enjoy that experience with him in the least. So, um, But then again, I guess it's better to go over camel grass than to have to get out of the car and change tires because you went into some camel rocks. So, uh, yeah, Janil and Bernard not enjoying the best of days. Nasa Latia, otherwise, um, Ben, you, have you got overall results uh, standing by? Yeah, I can do that for you. Uh, Fernando Alonso, by the way, finished 13th, 26 minutes down after those, those three punctures, as you mentioned, or as Janil mentioned. Overall, Carlos Sainz leads by three minutes and three seconds from Nasser Alatir. Remember, the cars start at three-minute intervals, so that can be quite significant if they don't have any problems. Peter Hansel, 11.42 in third position. Al-Raji, 23.10 back in fit fourth. Terra Nova, 23.13 in fifth. Uh, then Machu Serradori, 26.55. Solid run from the Frenchman, doing really well in that century. Uh, and then Tavilliers in 7th, 34.40 down. And Tenbrinka, 44.40 in 8th spot. So, Fernando Alonso fighting back brilliantly. He now currently lies 20th overall, if I'm not mistaken. And... I mean, it's it's a world away from where he was standing at the end of stage two, uh, following is issues with the wheel. He lost the wheel. They had to put it together. Him and Mark Comer took them uh, a couple of hours to do so, but he managed to power his way back up the field. Baldwin, um, to do so yesterday, he he took a joker. If you can just explain the background behind that. Well, the uh, the reality of the of the Dakar rally is that there's drivers here with more talent. Some of them have more talent than others, and they use a seeding system to determine where the drivers start um, before the race. Also, it's based on obviously what they did in the past. Uh, Fernando coming in as a new driver hasn't doesn't have a race number yet, so they use the seeding position to determine where he would go off. Once you're beyond a certain percentage of your seeding position after a stage, it becomes dangerous because you're so much faster than the guys ahead of you, and certainly you end up uh, driving with trucks and, and that sort of thing, which, which really does become a safety issue. So 
in that situation, a driver like uh, like Fernando and, and some of the top drivers would be able to play a joker. That's basically a requesting to the organizers to be moved up the starting order for safety's sake. Uh, and then they use a, a formula to determine where you would slot into the starting position. So he used that system to move up the starting order rather than starting right in the back in all the dust and trucks. Yeah, and, and what a contrast between the two days, Mario. I'm talking between stage two and three because he had that massive problem with the wheel on stage two. And yesterday, uh, doing very well, extremely well, in fact, that he, he ended up coming in fourth place because of Nasser Latia's penalty. Nasser dropped down to fifth, and it meant that he was the best uh, performing Toyota Gazoo driver uh, in stage three. I, I think he keeps on surprising all of us, and I think he surprises himself at times because uh, he was cl- clearly frustrated and, and uh, on on day two when he the ditch that tore a wheel off, um, lost a lot of time. It was over two hours. Um, yesterday had a fantastic day. I mean, fourth place. It's t- to him is like a, a stage win, really, uh, especially for the for the novice, a, a rookie. And then today uh, the punctures didn't, didn't help. But he also said um, after the stage that it was really, really tough terrain and um, he didn't think that, that uh, he would probably be able to come out of there unscathed. And, and, uh, but one thing that impressed me tremendously was that he mentioned that he is now there to assist the team and he'll do whatever the team asks him to do in order to assist the rest of the guys. Well, that, that gets to show the quality of the man too. Yeah, very much so. Let's uh, hear from the man himself. And it, it's amazing how times can change. Yesterday, you were able to lend a tire to Bernard. This time around, 150Ks without one. Yeah, I, I saw my teammates on, on the neutralization and I, I informed them that I had no tires uh, left. So if they see me uh, with a puncher, please stop and give me one of, of uh, their tires. But uh, yeah, luckily, we, we drove a little bit slower uh, in the last 150 Ks just to, to have uh, no issues. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, honestly, you know, 200 kilometers ago, uh, we were very stressed uh, inside the car. So happy to be here, happy to survive this day. It was very, very tough. Uh, a lot of rocks, a lot of uh, difficult navigation. And I think, uh, yeah, today, there are more surprises coming, I'm sure, you know, because the, the rest of the field is, is going to be, is gonna be um, uh, I think, challenging for everyone. And uh, just finally, yesterday when we spoke, uh, you were the second best driver for the day for Toyota Gazoo. NASA got hit with that penalty, which meant that uh, you were the fastest driver for the team yesterday. What did that feel like? Uh, I felt wrong. <laughs> I felt wrong, to be honest. You know, I think... Uh, uh, Nasser, Genil, they are fighting for the for the Dakar. So you know, I'm I'm hopefully not uh, uh, the fastest Toyota in any other the remaining days. You know, hopefully they can uh, uh, have good stages. Uh, you know, I lost so much time in, in stage two, so I'm here to help the team in anything they they may need in the future in the in the next stages. And uh, yeah, let's see if we can win it. Valdo, exactly what Mario is talking about. The man continues to impress. We know his skills when it comes to motor vehicles, uh, delivering time and time again, despite that setback in stage two. And uh, yeah, to come through at the end, despite the media scrutiny that he's under, the pressure he's under to perform, um, a hell of a nice guy. He's got to have his wits about him. If you think of what's going on in that cockpit while they're racing, and you manage the car, you've got to manage your fuel usage, you've got to think of your teammates, you've got to manage your tyres, 
uh, choose your pace over the terrain. You've got to listen to a navigator. There's a lot going on in that cockpit. And then to still, you know, manage to, to drive at eight tenths or nine tenths, whatever he had to, to preserve the, the last tire that he had for 200 Ks and come out upbeat, you know, he's, he's got his head in the right place. And you have to admire that. Certainly so. It's uh, been a, a pleasure to be involved with the Fernando Alonso story here at Dakar 2020, the 42nd running of the event. And the third chapter, as uh, we keep on being reminded, in the magnificent kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So uh, a good day for Toyota Gazoo Racing. Um, Nasalatia finishing in second spot. It means he won't open the road. That will belong to Stefan Pederhansel. But uh, Ben, on to a subject shortly that uh, you're always very fond of, I know the bikes well let's remember there are five categories in the Dakar we we obviously focus for obvious reasons on the cars but there's some fantastic uh, events going on and as many of your fans are South African fans they'll be very interested to know how your man from Zimbabwe uh, Botswana Botswana gotta get the right country haven't I Botswana is getting on uh, obviously yesterday big fool uh, damaged his shoulder injured damaged I think some city cut his finger off Part of his finger has come off. Yeah, he severed the tip of his one finger, so that doesn't sound uh, very good at all. Oh. And today, 55 seconds off the victory. 55 seconds after 400 and something kilometers. That is incredible. Yeah, yeah I saw him briefly um, going to the uh, when we arrived back at the bivouac. He was on his way to, to the ablutions also. To go and sew up uh, his finger again. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, he can't pick his nose now. But... Uh, I uh, said to him, are you feeling? He says, I am so sore, you cannot believe it. I said, you guys, I don't know how you guys do it. You, you're really superheroes. And then to push the way you did and to finish where you, where you did, you know, just about missing missing on a, another win with a man that's injured, the, um, uh, what's it, his shoulder blade? Shoulder, eh? yeah. yeah. And um, he says, thank you very much. He says, but I am just so very sore. It's so impressive. We, we went past his... Um uh, his little pit yesterday after the crash just to find um, one of the uh, the team doctors there having a look at his shoulder with a portable sonar device that I'd never seen before. You know, he's literally looking at it on his cell phone. It's a <laughs> tiny little thing and cell phone's lying on Ross's lap and then he just sonars his shoulder right there and he said, look, it doesn't look too severe. It's going to be sore, but if you want to go racing, you're clear to go racing. Sure. And of course, being, <laughs> being hard as nails, you know, the softest part on his body is his teeth. So he... <laughs> Had his helmet on first thing in the morning and started as the 45th or 6th bike into the stage, I think. And like, uh, like uh, Ben told us, 55 seconds off the stage one. It's madness. Well, well, it's apt that you use the wording superhero because I read an article uh, a short while ago, um, which was one of the main Dakar articles doing the rounds, and it was a superhero has emerged. Yeah, awakens. Awakens. Yeah. And, and, and obviously the whole thing uh, was to do with uh, Ross's uh, incredible comeback uh, over the course of two days. I mean, from an incredible high to an even worse low to bouncing back to this. I mean, this is even more impressive than what he achieved two days ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 55 seconds off, uh, Cornejo um, works Honda Rider. Not the famous names that we know, but uh, it still set a good pace. He rode alongside his teammate, uh, Ricky Bragabab, all day long. Uh, so they led the field and, and, and held on to it. Uh, Kevin B. is in a Honda second position. So Ross was the first KTM and he was uh, a minute and a half faster than Toby Price. Uh, actually, Sam Sunderland was faster, but Sam Sunderland was caught speeding in a neutralization section. Um, actually, I've read on his Instagram that all he did was uh, break a bit too late. And as he went into it, he was still over speeding. 
Um, so we got down to the speed, but your GPS, as we know from yeah. our trippies and our cars, GPS beeps when you're over speeding. And he was just a bit too fast for a bit too long in that neutralization section. Picked up five minutes, dropped to four minutes and 59, uh, 49 seconds behind Corneo and therefore uh, promoted Ross into third. Congratulations, uh, <laughs> Ross Branch, flying the flag for Southern Africa. I said this the other day, there yeah. is no flag of Southern Africa, but doing extremely well for that place down south in Africa. Um, Voldo, I know you've got a bit of work to do. Yeah, indeed. I was just about to say I'm going to love you guys and leave you. Thanks for the opportunity as always. I'm going to vacate the seat and maybe there's someone else that can fill it. Yeah, uh, we know that covering the Dakar from a media perspective uh, is extremely hard work, but I, I think from a fan's perspective, even more so. Uh, Mario, we know what we've endured uh, over time um, yeah. when we haven't been given information, the correct information. I think we suffered uh, that fate, uh, unfortunately, today again. Yes. Uh, it has been fairly tough, but... From a fan's perspective, uh, even more so because we have access to everything. And uh, we managed to uh, uncover a fan, a South African fan. However, um, there's a couple of them, but, but you here on uh, business, uh, a working holiday, should I say? Uh, well, I guess we got to say business. So, uh, yes, let's say business with pleasure included. Uh, sorry, your name, t tell the listeners who, who we're chatting to. Yeah, good evening. I'm Albert Adams. I, I work for uh, Toyota as well. So we're all part of the Toyota Gazoo Racing family. Uh, an old colleague and friend of Mario's as well. So uh, nice to be at the Dakar. My third visit to the Dakar. So to be a spectator, yes, a lot of hard work. And uh, we truly having having fun. And I think Saudi as a country, like you say, we're all raving fans. But I think my perceptions and what we found uh, actually being here has been absolutely awesome. So, yes, thank you to uh, Toyota South Africa and to the innovation group, Dave Dawson, who's actually with us on the trip. He's in bed by now, I guess. Dave, but no ways. Yeah, uh, he actually said, I said <laughs> hi to you, but uh, Dave, he's in bed. We just spoke with him now. So, Dave, if you're listening up, uh, you're missing a good chat here, mate. Um, uh, Albert, you said it's your third Dakar. Of course, it's your first one in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the first two, um, was it the last two that took place in Peru? And then prior to that was Peru, Argentina, and Bolivia? Or Yeah, we did uh, Argentina. I think it was uh, 2014, the first one. And then uh, the second one was... Uh, uh, that, that included Bolivia. So th th those were my two occasions, 2014 and 2015. And then my colleague Marcel will be joining us shortly. I think he did the one that was in uh, Peru. So uh, truly amazing experiences, all of them. Uh, but I must say this one, the Saudi one, really rates right up there. Oh, man, it's been incredible. We've been joined by, by your colleague. How are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's been a, a real experience, and I, it's, this is my second Dakar. I was fortunate enough to go in 2016 to uh, Argentina, Brazil, and Bolivia. Um, and uh, I must say, you know, you're coming out, you come with a certain perception and what to expect, and I think everybody did, and it was blown away. It, it, it's a fantastic country, and the, uh, the people here are extremely welcoming, and um, we've got so many good stories to tell, and it's really, it was, it's an it's a, a experience you can't really take home. You can only show pictures, and it doesn't really tell the story. It really doesn't. Actually, when I arrived at this hotel a, a little earlier this evening, I, I tried to send a couple of photos to, to my girlfriend, and... Yeah, she said uh, it looks incredible, but uh, I'm sure it doesn't tell half the story, and, and that's exactly the case. Yeah. Uh, we're surrounded by these sheer cliffs. We're in this canyon. Um, the cliffs light up with different lighting perspectives. Um, you just go on and on and on. I, it's unlike any hotel I've ever been in in my life. Um, and, and again, we're only a third of the way into the Dakar. Are, are you here for when do you guys go back? So, no, unfortunately, tomorrow is our last day. We're seeing this start uh, tomorrow morning at 6. We're seeing the bikes off and then sitting through until the trucks leave um, but we were also fortunate enough to see a bit of the country so today we visited the tombs of Nebertin 
which is uh, about 2,000 a year did old. You, did you go look at those? Yes, Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. We, we, we missed out. Uh, we're obviously following the race. Uh, those looked incredible. We saw the shots. Uh, do you know the history amazing. of it? So it's, uh, it's r- roughly 2,000 years old. Um, and it's basically, uh, 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 as we as they described it, uh, it's uh, tombs that was built with um, depicting different people's wealth. Um, the size of the tomb would obviously show the, your wealth of the tomb, you know, and it was actually given by a lovely young lady, and she did this course um, not about six months ago, Albert? Yeah, she was actually a teacher, and her lifelong dream was becoming a, a tour guide. And I think uh, living in Saudi as a closed country and not really having, or seen by us, not as having many opportunities, she actually told us the good things about Saudi. But she traveled the world, and she, she went to the States, and I would say a couple of first world countries, and with great opportunities, and, and she came back, and she actually left uh, as being a teacher, and she's now a very successful uh, a tour guide. And I think today was actually her first main, let's call it, event. And she says she's been working hard for, for, for this for a year. Yeah. And with the DACA being here and, and with us being there, it was, it was her dream come true. But, but she was so passionate about what she did. And, and I just want to add to this, this beautiful hotel. As, as Marcel and I returned from the stage and from the bivouac, we were actually walking from our room, which is, a, I would say, a fair walk of about, let's call it 500 meters and I was saying to him, just, just stand still for a minute. You know, if we think of Saudi as kids and you, you think, hold on a second, is it safe to be here? We were walking down. We were all safe. It was, it was so special. And, uh, and I think that's something we've got to look after in our own country in South Africa to make sure that, that we make it tourist friendly. Because I think we do have the most beautiful country in the world. And it would be great if the Dakar can get closer to South Africa. And, uh, and let's not forget that opportunity. I'd love the Dakar to come to Southern Africa, but that being said, if it did, then uh, I wouldn't have the chance to get to see all these beautiful countries around the world. I mean, I would have had uh, no inkling whatsoever to have come to Saudi Arabia outside of the Dakar. I mean, if you offered me the opportunity, of course I'd take it, because I'll never say no to any bit of travel, but... (laughs) If I had to choose, uh, I wouldn't exactly choose Saudi Arabia. It wouldn't Arabia. be a priority. Exactly. Yeah. It would, wouldn't even crack my top 20. Yeah. Um, after being here for a couple of days, yeah. uh, that perspective, Mario, has changed completely. I think it's, it's changed every single person that has been on the, in this Dakar this year. Uh, team member, press people, technicians, um, uh, even those guys who, who normally travel bivouac to bivouac and they don't get to see much, much of the country. I mean, they, they've been blown away by what they've seen. Well, I mean, this t- to put it into perspective, uh, we came through now uh, from Neom, and we were there for two days, and we stayed at this beautiful resort, and we were on the, the Red Sea, yeah. and um, our, our hotel rooms actually overlooked uh, the Red Sea, and myself and Ray, my business partner, cameraman, producer extraordinaire, we're out there, we took a couple of photos, and the palm trees blowing, mm. and it's magnificent, so I posted the photos, and someone replied, I thought you are in Saudi Arabia, not Mauritius, <laughs> and they're being legit. Yeah. Because it looked picture postcard from some island island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, Marcel. Yeah, that's true. And we, we uh, I can't exactly remember where we left from, but one morning we left to Tabuk and uh, we had to leave because the, being here is a fair amount of travel. You fly eight, uh, eight times in five days. It's, 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 uh, it's massive, yeah. yeah. But we, we walked out of the hotel at half past two expecting dead quiet and it was absolute chaos. The street was buzzing the the shops and that's something interesting as well you'd find uh, pharmacies open at 12 o'clock and uh, clothing stores open and and it's just a different culture and 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 yeah it's amazing it's uh the other thing that's happening over here is the amount of development that's going on the buildings the new i mean neom is a 
brand new city that's b- still busy being developed. It's n- it's almost non-existent. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I keep on saying Neom. We weren't actually in Neom. It no. was sold as that, but yeah. it's called the future city because yes. it is a city happening in the future. Mm. I mean, it couldn't be better described. And and we weren't actually there was no city to speak of, but the infrastructure is taking place. Yeah, but everywhere. I mean, the buildings that are going up. You can see the the in in Jeddah some of the shopping malls as good as anywhere else in the world, and mm. and, and that is a perception that we never had, and, and maybe um, Saudi hasn't sold themselves that way yet. I yeah. think it's it's they're very young in in the area of promoting themselves, and I think that in the future it could become a a country to be visited. Yeah, absolutely, Maten Rand, uh, Mario. <laughs> so we got to say why why it's called Maten Rand, but be that as it may, um, I'd just like to add that. Walking around and speaking to fellow supporters, and let's call it in the bivouac, and we had the opportunity over the last two days, you try and get somebody to say something negative about Saudi, or what do you not like of, of Saudi, and we, we were privileged to speak to Janil over the last two days, and Janil is so outspoken about how, how marvelous the route is, mm. and how, 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 how awesome this country is, so I think uh, the Dakar is here to stay. I think that if, if Saudi really understands the opportunities... I think it will be massive in future, and like you say, the development. Maybe Marcel, just tell them about the parking lot at the at the ruins today. Or at the, yeah, so at the a lot of the the new development that we saw. I mean, you spoke about a lot about Nyom. Um, we flew out from Nyom Airport, and as we walked on the tarmac, um, I spoke a bit to the guy, the the the, the operator, and um, he said to me, "This airport was only opened six months ago, and it's a world class facility." And, um, you know, we're going to the tombs of Nebertin, you know, walking around there, there's a fair bit of infrastructure. Um, and also, the one of the VSO organizers said to us, he was here a month ago and there was nothing here. So they spent quite a bit of money in infrastructure and developing this. And I think that's important for, the, you know, any event, especially the Dakar, because it shows that there's uh, support from the, from the governing government. I have to ask. Uh, okay, first, let me tell you. So I arrived yesterday at the bivouac and, and I saw your group uh, standing around and, and taking the sights and sounds of the bivouac over at the Toyota Gazoo Racing Stable. And Graham Duxbury came over to me and, and he pointed over to to your group. There's about, what, 15, 20 of you? 16. 16. And, and he said in his fluent Duxbury voice, he said, you know what? You can be as tall as you like and as big as you want because everyone wants to be big. But then you have to fly economy... <laughs> to the other side of the world. And he was pointing straight at you, Marcel. Yeah. I don't know what flights you flew. Uh, you don't need to divulge that, but how big are you? How tall are you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm two meters and two centimeters tall. <laughs> it is not fun. <laughs> but what does happen is I become a uh, photo opportunity for any person that's never seen anybody over two meters. So especially in Saudi, I've been taking quite a fair amount of photos with the locals. Um, and it's fun, you know. We we as South Africans come together when it comes to things like that, and we and we see the light in it, and I enjoy it. But uh, we flew in an Etihad, and luckily in Etihad you have the opportunity to bid on seats, and I took that opportunity, and luckily got uh, a few uh, good seats for myself to come here and travel around. With oh, them. well done, yeah. geez, and you need them certainly. I mean, yeah. over two meters. Remember, uh, for those that aren't too afraid with the heights, two meters is a door frame. So you've yeah. got a duck when you walk in anywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a general nod. <laughs> it comes naturally now, yeah. Um, it's funny because we were chatting to an uh, American lady a short while ago. She's involved with one of the teams. Her name's Kelly. And she's, uh, she's blonde hair, blue eyes. And, 
she comes from California, uh, Kelly from California. Uh, yeah. And and she said exactly the same thing. Um, you know, you don't get too many people looking like her in this part of the world. And, and exactly the same thing. People stopping her everywhere she went, uh, taking photos yeah. of work. She, suddenly, she's had so many more Instagram followers, Facebook followers, the works, uh, since she's landed here in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we were fortunate enough to, um, you know, we, 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 they set up camp for us within certain viewpoints in, in the desert. And uh, we were fortunate enough to be visited by one of the crown princes who had lunch with us. So that was quite an experience as well. And we had a nice uh, photo opportunity with him as well. And to remember his name is going to be a bit difficult at this stage because there's, there's quite few of him. But um, as I understand, he's president of motorsport. And, you know, that, was, that, that in itself was quite a, a privilege. Um, yeah. And then Albert also... He takes the opportunity to to make a bit of fair f- amount of fun around the camp, and and, and that brings a lot. You know, we, today we we grabbed a few flags and we, we we stood next to the road and we cheered Janil on, and that's what it's all about. Sixteen different individuals doing what South Africans do best, coming together and having a good time and supporting our country, and that's. Uh, yeah, and wave our flag. I think we're yeah. so so proud to be South African, and it's a privilege to meet Ty Perry's dad today. We were actually at. Yes. Uh, at the one lookout point, and, and he was there. You could see it's a proud dad with another friend that came along. And uh, it was amazing to see the passion in his eyes for a first Dakar. Also, so positive about Saudi, really looking forward with his daughter actually participating and doing really well. So uh, we wish you well, Taipiri, and uh, give it horns for South Africa. Yeah, plenty of Southern Africans doing great things. Uh, we spoke uh, a little earlier about Ross Branch. Uh, I'm sure you've you followed his exploits over here. Two days ago, winning the stage. Uh, yesterday, uh, having a nasty fall, got severely injured. And today, coming back from the brink of, of nowhere uh, to, to get within, within a minute uh, of the, the leader. Almost brink of retirement. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> the true no. Dakar spirit. And, and we've also got uh, Kirsten Lantman uh, doing great things as well uh, on the bikes. So, yeah, all in all, a, a terrific experience for those uh, who are here at the Dakar, uh, no matter who you are following. But um, it is a five-year contract, if I'm not mistaken, with regards to yeah. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So for those listening, if you are massive Dakar fans, which you obviously are because you wouldn't be listening to this, especially not 37 minutes into it, um, <laughs> then, yeah, if you can, uh, you do need to save because it's, it's not cheap, Mario. No. No, 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 no. At four to one or roundabout there, uh, nothing is cheap. Uh, unfortunately, our South African rant at the moment is taking a bit of punishment. But, you know, apart from, <coughs> look, fuel is dirt cheap. Uh, we cheap. currently pay. Yeah, talk about this. Yeah, this is incredible. Because uh, we're paying um, one real 50 per liter of petrol, and sure. uh, it's 45 cents per liter of diesel. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So even if it tops that part, we not take fuel back home <laughs> and leave the suitcases, guys. Yeah. Oh. I promise you. Uh, one of the guys that, uh, from, from the team went and filled up the truck in, in Jeddah. And they said, no, no, these guys didn't fill up the truck. Wow. 220 riyadh. Wow. The tank was full. <laughs> so, so you're looking at about 800 rand. Yeah. yeah. It's 1,300 rand to fill up a Hilux back home. I'll just let you know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you go to a, to a, to a shop, um, food's not bad, you know. If you, if but if you go to a restaurant, it's not cheap, um, and especially the places that some of the places that we've been to. Yeah, I think last night there were eight of us eating, mm. and we had a buffet. To be yeah. fair, but if I'm not mistaken, it cost in the region of around six thousand rand. Yeah, for eight people. Yeah, so. Yeah, almost a thousand rand a person for a buffet. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and as you do this over the course of three weeks. But the day before, uh, we had pizzas from a little a little shop 
across the road from the hotel and it worked out to I think it was 40 bucks a pizza oh, okay, so it wasn't enough, you know yeah. so it depends where you go and so it's still affordable if you're not going to eat at restaurants and hotels yeah I think what what makes it a little more difficult is the agriculture here is still in an early phase of development yes. so you see a lot of olive trees date trees uh, but there's not a lot of let's call it fresh fruits fruits yeah. and vegetables so I think that's very costly I think a majority of that must be imported but uh, I'm sure that they'll sort that out Gents, thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Albert, Marcel, enjoy the rest of your trip. Mario, pleasure as always. Yep. Uh, ben very kindly handed over his seat uh, to Marcel. I reckon, Ben, it's, uh, I'm going to hand it to you to, to wrap things up. What can we expect tomorrow? Hopefully I've got more of a voice. That would be, <laughs> that would be really nice. Uh, and two really, really long, tough days with more sand. Hopefully the puncture's behind us. And then finally the rest day when we get to Riyadh. Uh, I think it's going to be very well earned. I think NASA said today... These last four days have felt like a whole Dakar already. That's how tough Saudi has been. And I mean, um, NASA's tough. And he's been through a, a lot of, a lot of um, Dakars and, and, and in different countries. So for him to, say, to make a statement like that, you know, it's been tough. You get NASA tough and you get Ben Constantaduros tough. Because yeah, yeah, he yeah, managed yeah. Uh, to stay up late, do this podcast. He's still working on other things as well. Uh, people need to, to follow you as well because uh, you've been posting daily videos, working alongside Andrew Mulligan, and they've been great to watch. Uh, yeah, where, where can people catch up with your adventures? Uh, yeah, so I'm on uh, at Ben Consty, S-T-Y, on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, thank you for all the South Africans that do already follow me and have said I'm now an honorary South African because I've appeared on your shows. So that's very kind. Um, and uh, I've always had great support actually from, from uh, South Africa. So you can see my daily videos when I choose to tweet them um, on that channel. And sometimes they might even appear on some Toyota channels as well. Yeah, we've been using them as well on our 10-minute daily show on Supersport. It's uh, been a fantastic addition to the show. Thank you very, very much. And, uh, yeah, get better. Uh, we've got a long drive tomorrow, gents. And uh, let's rest up, work hard, and uh, let's move on to stage five. See you in hail. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media.